Why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us all your real name? You do have a name. My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Feature joygasm moment of the week, of course, that is from Gladiator. And it's really interesting to look at a much younger Joaquin Phoenix, especially you know, considering the fact that Joker is coming out next month and he uh, is looking a bit older and uh, he's very youthful and healthy in that movie. Yeah, it happens to us all, Russ. We all age, you know. We all get obsessed with clowns at some point after <laughs> basking in the arena. Gladiator. My goodness. That film, did that come out back in 2000? Is that right? Just about. I think it was right around that time. 2000, 2001. It is, it was and is a very captivating movie, isn't it? It is, Russ. And uh, you watch other Gladiator-type movies and shows just doesn't quite get it. It doesn't quite capture the essence that Gladiator did. Although, Russell Crowe doesn't sound much like a Spaniard. I was going to say. Nor a Roman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Gladiator. It's it's amazing how all the Romans sounded uh, (laughs) British. Okay, blokes, follow me. Y'all grab your spears and arrows. <laughs> it's a very captivating uh, performance, which is kind of funny because back in the day when I saw that film, I didn't even think twice. I, just, I was so into the story and the visuals and everything else. But then, yeah, after watching it a few times, I'm thinking, wait a minute. They all have British accents. Like I understand that uh, they were kind of sort of wear, you know, wearing the toga thing, which was also kind of sort of 
I suppose, uh, arguably a cousin to the kilt. Mm, yes. But, um, yeah, it is kind of funny to, to see that. That particular scene was one of many in that film where um, you were just really drawn into the moment. And I think the performances by all of the, the actors involved were just great. And I think it was um, an insightful exploration that director Ridley Scott um, had with the power of the mob. I really liked how he explored that and how his characters were also talking about how the mob is very fickle and how if you can get the mob on your side, that then you can become more powerful than the emperor of Rome kind of thing. And, and of course too, this scene just really is like the first time we see Maximus uh, be able to identify who he is and really just lay it on thick <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to Joaquin, I, you know, I even forgot. Well, what what is his character? What is Joaquin Phoenix's uh, name in the movie? Because uh, I, I always think of his sister saying, "Oh, man. brother, right. brother." Um, Commodus. Commodus. Commodus is not a moral man. Yeah. Then why don't you kill Commodus? Yeah. Right. That's his name. Yeah. Had to dust off the old gladiator memory. Right. Well, that scene too, it, it really shows that the good guy was stronger than the bad guy. And the good guy could definitely hold his own, which is encouraging in the movies because oftentimes the bad guy is often the stronger one. Commodus was evil and he was powerful because he killed his father and he automatically inherited the throne to being Caesar. Mm-hmm. But that didn't mean he was more of a man than Maximus was it's a classic hero's journey tale where you have someone who's highly respected in a, a terrific position. All of a sudden he loses everything. He has to find his purpose. And over the course of the journey, he's able to make some new friends and uh, extract vengeance. On right. Those who have wronged him kind of thing, which Indeed. is, you know, it's, it's a classic tale. Who yeah. doesn't like a story like yeah, that? Yeah, who doesn't like a little revenge? And I, I actually, I really did, you know, I, I don't want to go too far into the film, but but I do really enjoy watching um, his particular journey. I liked how he um, had suffered so much loss. And then instead of him just kind of wandering aimlessly, he goes into this this gladiator job of sorts more like a slave, but still like just having that go on. And of course with this particular scene, there are subsequent scenes in the film where they continue to have uh, kind of the, the banter back and forth of they clearly don't think highly of each other. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, it is definitely a captivating scene and, Man, I, I think it definitely plays into what I would consider uh, a joygasm moment. So in case anybody hadn't seen the movie, what was taking place, what was transpiring with the crowd cheering as they were, if you didn't understand what they were saying, they were chanting, live, 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 because what would happen at the end of these bouts, um, these gladiators were slaves. But if the crowd loved you, if they liked you, they want to see more of your performance. Kind of like if you were to see your favorite actor. You don't want the actor to die. You want him to keep working. You want to right. see more uh, Tony Stark. You know what I mean? They want Tony Stark to die. But so he had the crowd in the palm of his hand and Commodus recognizes him as an adversary and wants to kill him. But since the entire arena was chanting for him to live, of course, he gave him a thumbs up as far as that's concerned and 
so forth. He, uh, he went on to breathe and walk and live another day. Yeah, and just to reiterate, I love how they explored the idea of public opinion because that's basically what it was. When you have the right. pressure of public opinion, that has massive sway over policy change or perhaps uh, you know maintaining current policies, mindsets. Uh, just it, it's an it's a influencer for sure, and you can apply it even to present day. But man, it's yeah. I'm glad that they never made a sequel either. I feel like that's a film that just kind of right. stands on its own. I think it'd be, uh, I don't know, problematic if they were to actually make Gladiator Part 2. Because, I mean, how do you follow that? I, I, I would imagine the only way they could successfully do that is if they had a completely new storyline. That had to do with, obviously, you know, if they want to call it Gladiator, there's a different Gladiator who was not a general of the armies of the North and, you know, once again, had a completely different origin story and hero's journey and stuff. But even then, I think it's still going to be a bit of a Herculean, Herculean Hercule- effort? Herculean. Herculean, something like that. There was a show on the Stars Network called Spartacus, which was kind of a modern take on Spartacus's tale, but they actually follow somewhat of the historical footprint that right. Spartacus took. So if you can get past all the uh, cursing and the lewdness of the show, fornication, fornicating, uh, <laughs> then um, yeah, there's something to be, a uh, little, little history to be learned. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He's Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we have... An incredible show for you in episode 139 Amazing. September Friday the 13th, 2019. We're going to forego gaming and movie news and instead catch up with each other before we get into the nitty gritty of our topic of the day, which is the Apple event 2019, which transpired earlier this week. So what is going on with you, Steve? Russ, I've been fishing. Have you now? I've been fishing. I tell you, virtually fishing virtually. or actually yes. going out nope. in the nope. humidity and the heat and nope. uh, picking up some. Yeah, fish. no, not kind of a weenie when that can. It's uh, 110 degrees outside. You know, I heard you saying it. Just can't do it. That and the bugs and stuff. I tell you. So, <laughs> so anyhow, no, I've been virtual fishing and see if these. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm on level uh, 17 of the hunter. Uh, oh, good for you. Yeah. The commendations. Commendations. And I've been apparently getting noticed by everybody I don't want to notice me. <laughs> and so every time I catch something, I'm literally not attacking anybody. There's nothing to get on my ship. I'm standing on the dock of the bay. Because they see you as an easy target because you just sat there on the fishing pole. You're just chilling. There's nothing to get from me. And every time I would catch something exotic, I'm like, yes. I'm like, no, there's a sloop in the distance. What are you doing? I'm like, trying to reel, trying to reel. There was a time when I had caught a bunch of fish and I was on my way to a little seaport, kind of, you know, whatever place. And this guy is following me. And I think I had a couple of things on, on board, but nothing of crazy value. But I definitely didn't want to start over. I was trying to end the game. And he pursued me and pursued me and would not let me go. And, and I had him on the run like I was trying to get some distance and repairing my ship. And then I would get caught by the Megalodon. The Megalodon attacked me, didn't attack him. I survived the Megalodon. <laughs> and then... I 
kept sailing, got hit by the Kraken. Wow. Uh, you're in a sloop? I'm in a sloop. And Jeez. so the Kraken ate me and killed my boat. But apparently, <laughs> like, after I was off the Kraken, my boat kept sailing and he left me alone and then didn't hurt him. I respawned back on my boat, <laughs> repaired, and kept on sailing. Wow. And then the guy was getting close to me at that point. I figure, okay, I'm going to hit a pirate ship. So I hit a pirate ship and... Or, or like a skeleton pirate ship. You hit it? I hit it. Yeah, just to make like it... Like you just run into I, it? I just, just kind of tapped him. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to get his attention so he would maybe attack both of us and then I would escape with my life and maybe he'll you know, get this guy off my back. No, the pirate ship didn't attack him whatsoever. <laughs> and so they kept on attacking me and I'm repairing. I'm just trying... Now at this point, I just want to get like offload some stuff. And so eventually... I die, but I had my rowboat with me. And so I was rowing to land, and then the pirate ship turned on him and, and was, and, and he sunk the, 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 pi the skeleton pirate ship, but he took a lot of damage. Uh -huh. And I had found a explosive barrel and that I had on my boat that was floating in the water, and I took it. And I put it on my boat, and I was ro I was rowing as fast as I can. Like, I'm just going to go suicidal and blow us his <laughs> ship up. And I get to his ship. And I'm about to just shoot the thing, and a wave comes underneath me and then pushes me underneath his boat, which caused the game to think, oh, this would never happen. We got to reset him. And so it finally just reset me. Oh, no. I've, I figured that, like, maybe the wave would cause, like, a, a vibration. Like, it would bump up against the, the hole, and then the, <sighs> the barrel would explode. Oh, and then, so I finally get my ship. I so I restart. I'm like, okay, where am I? Figure out where I am on the map. My stuff was still in, like on shore. I found it. I get it. Somehow I respawn in his kind of location where he was, and mm -hmm. he finds me again. And I'm sailing to a, a what was that? The, the little place where you're supposed to turn stuff in. Yeah, like the port. Little port. I, I leave my ship sailing, I jump off and swim in the water and go turn it in. And I was, and I was a, a port that I wasn't familiar with and I was looking around. This <laughs> chest. I'm like, just leave me alone, dude. Just leave me alone! So this is the same guy? Say, I had to be the same. If it wasn't the same guy, it was just my <laughs> bad luck. So then I, I hear this little behind me. I'm like, no! And so I'm running and dodging his gunfire I, and I hide in one of like the vanity shops. And I have my my blunderbuss aimed like head level at the door, and somehow he was able to put his pistol through the window and oh, headshots me and kills me in one shot. I'm like, man, I'm done. I'm going to bed. This yeah, is that's terrible. It. I appreciate the tenacity, though. Man, it's it's impressive. <laughs> Should have got more sleep. The Sea of Thieves is no place to be trifled with. <sighs> but after that, I now I have been following days. I had. Caught more fish, turned more stuff in. Good. So, you know, so that was awesome. And I finished season six of 24. Congratulations. Thank you. Not sure how many seasons there are left, but Jackety Jack. Man. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's probably like eight or nine seasons. Well, I'm going to find out. Russ, we're finding out. But he, he's been he's been put through his paces. He has. Keeps My on ticking. Goodness. He, too, is quite tenacious. Yes, that he is. Like a cockroach. Yeah. Oh, very difficult to kill. Speaking of cockroach, difficult to kill. You um, told me about 
the $2 Xbox Game Pass. Yes. And so I downloaded Gears Cinco. Congratulations. Which took forever. We were supposed to twitch it together, and the game said it was ready to go, and it wasn't really that ready to go. Well, okay, full disclosure... I had recommended that you download that the day before, but you were right. unable to do so, no, which was, was a bummer because I really not. wanted you to help me in a right. particular spot. Yeah. I'll get you in a bit. Yeah. Although now I, I think I can. I think I can, said the <laughs> locomotive. <laughs> we shall see. But there's another game that is for free on the Game Pass mm-hmm. that I've been wanting to play. It's been getting like great reviews and horrible reviews, mm-hmm. which is Kingdom Come. Oh, yeah. I remember I was saying that in the beginning of the year that yep. I wanted to play it, and it's yep. free, so I might pick that. I mean, it's free 99. Exactly. How, could, how could you go wrong? Well, okay, so first of all, congratulations on getting Game Pass, because I really do believe um, there is a lot of value with that program. Just looking at it where you're like, I mean, in your case, you're going to have, I think, $2 a month for the first two months, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, then, and then I'm going to stop it. <laughs> you're going to stop I, it? I don't know. <laughs> and then afterwards, <laughs> I think it's like $15 a month. Which, if you think about it, that's basically the equivalent of, like, just over two games a year. Which, you know, the Game Pass library, I believe, has over 100 titles in there. Speaking of 15 bucks a month, I've been paying 15 bucks a month for the PlayStation Plus or Pass. Or, oh, you have? Yeah, and I've I only got one thing out of the entire time I've had the system. I didn't even know you were paying for that. You, you asked me to set it up, Russ. You were at the house... And I wonder you, if I have that. And you said, oh, yeah, you ought to do it. That way, you know, if you ever want to play with some friends or something, I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I don't think I would play any games with friends that I have for PlayStation or that's on the hard drive. I, I really wouldn't. Like, oh, i just get it anyway. It's only 15 bucks. Yeah. I haven't used <laughs> Jack Squat. Yeah, I'd have to look and see what titles are on there. Because I know there are lots of titles on the PS4, and I have buddies who are more PS4 people. I downloaded the title Steep, which is that snowboard. Oh yeah, title, but mm-hmm. I haven't tried it yet. But but the game costs like twenty five bucks on Amazon. But I've been paying fifteen bucks a month, fifteen fifteen multiplied by however many months I've been yeah. paying. So I paid for that way more than I should have. What's nice about Game Pass too, like for instance, just from a first party perspective, this year we're getting Gears Five and is it Forza? Is that what? Like what, I'm not sure which Forza title is coming out. If it's like the next Motorsport, like Forza Eight. I don't think Most it, likely it's going to be Forza. I don't today. think it's Horizon yet. No, they, the, they're going to come out with the regular racing one, and then it'll be another Horizon. Anyway, great racing title. That Right there, you have two games. So, like, the service pays for itself from those two titles alone. And then you have all these other titles, like, like Metro Exodus, I know, is one off the top of my head. But they, they're doing a really nice job of adding more and more titles to that. So that'll enable um, anyone to be able to get on there and play lots of, of the, the more uh, recent titles without having to shell out money every single time you want to do so. In fact, your favorite Devil May Cry 5, I believe, is on there, Steve. I saw that, and I knew you were (laughs) going to bring that up. Knew you were going to bring that up. Matter of fact, your good old friend Brad Mm -hmm. sold you that game, and then it was free 99 on Game Pass. I know. I could not believe it. Well, and I think that that's a testament to the, the program itself, because I kept thinking, oh, there's probably no way that they'll be having certain games that were released this year come out. Maybe they'll, they'll just come out with titles from either last year or, you know, older, but they're doing, they're doing pretty well. I got to say, is there anything else with you, Steve? Okay. That's been about it. In Sekiro news, 
I have gotten farther, and uh, my goodness, it is it is getting more and more intense. But the, uh, the the one of the current walls that I was having to navigate past was uh, the boss fight with my stepfather from uh-huh. the uh, the beginning of the game. Uh-huh. In a, a crazy twist and turn of events, I once thought that that he was dead, and it turns out he was not dead, and he's actually a pretty evil dude. Stepfathers can be. Uh, it's it's crazy. Like so, I I, I had a choice. It, he offered me like like you know, do I stick with the Iron Code and uh, do what he's asking me to do, or do I go against him? And I was like, sorry, sorry there, pawn law. It's not even a pawn law. It's just a step pawn. It's just a step pawn. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dad. I'm not going to do what you told me to do, Dad. Yeah. I'm not going to do it this time. Yeah, <laughs> I really mean it. So anyway, it was a very intense battle with Owl. That's his name. His nickname is Owl. And so it took probably about at least 30 attempts somewhere in that vicinity. But I was victorious and it felt so good to be able to finally get past that and move forward with the story and see what else is going on. And of course, I think they were probably uh, anticipating that it would be super, super hard to get past because now there's a ton of dialogue I'm having with key characters and it's moving the, the plot line forward. And so I'm, uh, I'm satisfied. I, I have made uh, a significant amount of uh, the way through the game. So I'm uh, definitely happy about that and I'm looking forward to seeing what else is coming up because I've been hearing even the uh, the future bosses after that are just even harder. So whew, I'll tell you, Steve, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll tell you that much. But I, I mean, what a game. That game, and I've, I've said it so many times, but like it is such a fantastic title. I really do hope they make a sequel. I hope they, they're, they're planning on doing something. Shadows can die three times too. I also started uh, playing Gears 5, like we were talking about uh, just a little while ago. And um, next week, actually, on the next episode of Joygasm, that's going to be our topic of the day. We just wanted to give ourselves some time to be able to play through it, perhaps even beat it so we can have more of a full-fledged review of what we think of the the title itself. Not one of those, what did you think, Steve? Well, in the 15 minutes that I was watching (laughs) you play and not asleep... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I can say, in terms of my impressions, um, uh, are that like the first of all, the graphics are just really well done. Which I mean, I came to expect. It's it's the Unreal Engine, and they do such a terrific job with the the tech there. I mean, just as a tech demo alone, it's just amazing. Like the graphics fidelity that they're able to pull off in that title. I do have a bit of a conflict with the characters, though. I was wanting to get your opinion on this a little bit. I know you, you've barely scratched the surface of it, but you know you have two types of characters. There's the the old crew with uh, Marcus Phoenix and Coltrane, Baird, uh, Carmine. You know all those guys, Dom, and and it was just I, I felt like they really fit into the the world of Sarah with with gears and stuff because they're just it's over the top. The game itself is designed to be over the top in terms of the visual spectacle, the weapons, you know, with the chainsaw and everything. And then you have these muscle bound dudes and stuff, and even like the kind of uh, saucy attitude. You know, I remember like like if you picked up uh, some kind of uh, weapon, you know, he's like, oh, sweet. 
you know, or like if you were to able to to reload at the perfect time where you get the little white notch and you get like the upgraded bullets, you know, you hear him go, nice. You know, just it's like, again, totally over the top testosterone. But I mean, it, it's it's a part of the world. That's what I, I come to expect from the, the title. But now there is like this next generation of characters that they're introducing. And they, of course, they introduced them in Gears 4. And I am torn with them because on the one hand, it's cool to see new characters. It's cool to see these new storylines and that sort of thing. But I kind of miss the swagger. I miss kind of the bravado of the older characters because that was kind of part of the roller coaster ride of Gears. Um, I don't know, like, if you've had enough time to play with that or not, if you have any comments toward that. But. Well, I went through boot camp. Oh, good for you. And I kind of got tired of the, of the dude's attitude. It seemed kind of like a chip, like he's got a chip off his shoulder or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was, was kind of... I think in that capacity, uh, it, it was probably not the best because it's a tutorial. If you're I'm going, hoping not. Huh? I'm, I'm hoping that was the case. I'm yeah. hoping that it's not going to be like that through. Yeah, no, no. I, I think it was just the tutorial thing itself where, like, tutorials by the, are just boring as it is. Like, yeah, you want to be informed, but at the same time, you're like, eh. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm born ready. Yeah. How can you get ready when you're born ready? I'm like, oh, gosh. Well, okay. We go. and, <laughs> and that character, that was one of the new characters. That yeah. wasn't one of the old characters. Another thing I've got to mention at this point in time is, um, and I've you heard me complaining about this on Twitch. You guys can actually check out how many times I died at this one point uh, if you look at uh, this past week's stream fest. But um, the routing algorithms for your allies are pretty terrible in this game. Um, the game there's there's a lot of things that are positive that I can say about the game, but this is one of the very few negatives I, I can say if I'm giving a critique of the title. Where, you know, the routing algorithm of the enemies are really well done. Like they they can they can come to you from pretty much any vantage point. It's done so in, in a seemingly unpredictable manner. Um, there's just more of an organic feel to the whole thing. But there were so many times when it was just myself and the, and the Dell character. And he wasn't shooting at anything. He wasn't intelligently assessing like my direction of fire and then having him flank me or anything like that. And I was literally having to take on about 95% of all the enemies in this space. And I just could not get past it simply because I'm on a higher difficulty setting and I'm just like, it's just a waste to have him over there. Not to mention sometimes he would like get in the way and he would just like stand in front of me and so I'm hoping that they are able to have some kind of DLC patch that they can send through. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta be uh, pretty straightforward for them to be able to do that. But I was just surprised as to like how useless the, the ally character is. Now it's a different story when you're playing co-op. And of course gears is best when you have somebody's playing all the different characters, because then you can actually remove the fog of war and be able to get each other's backs and that sort of thing. And so that's what I'm hoping with you, Steve scratching your back, that's, scratch mine, scratch my burly muscle, muscular back, <laughs> hairy back. Yeah. <laughs> my roided back. <laughs> uh, I saw some more death stranding footage earlier this week as well. Yeah, I still have no idea what the game is about. I am so lost when it comes to just really understanding what it is, but it's so weird because there is still that part of me that is intrigued by the game. I feel like they're like, okay, one good thing I can say, and I I've maintained this for a long time. Yeah. The UI is actually really good. Mm -hmm. 
I love how like you can do that, that scan that like, it kind of has this almost like uh, node holographic type of uh, UI across the terrain or across the landscape and like different other things too. Like they were demonstrating like some sort of uh, gear up equip, you know, character equip screen kind of thing. Got some, got some good stuff in there. I, I gotta say. Being uh, from a UI design background, I, I found myself appreciating uh, quite a bit in there. But I, but having said that, I still don't know what the action is going to be like, Steve. I don't know if we're just going to be like, doing a lot of walking around or if there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, intensity. Honestly, though, I'm starting to feel as though there will probably be a lot of Metal Gear Solid uh, Phantom Pain sensibilities simply because in uh, Metal Gear Solid Five there was kind of like this huge area that was kind of a creative sandbox that you could choose where you wanted to go and you could have certain types of little mini missions that you could do and that sort of thing. I really do believe there's going to be some parallel uh, sensibilities there, but let's hope so. Time will tell another game that I was looking at, Steve, the legend of Zelda links awakening. Have you seen the preview to this? It's a, you probably haven't cause I you're may have so it's a a return you know again i love how they are making uh remakes of certain classic games like resident evil remake is just awesome there is a a classic zelda title that it goes back to that top down style where like you're watching him go through and he's taking on bad guys and he's going into like little dungeons and stuff they're redoing that but they're completely revamping the graphics engine like what they did with Resident Evil 2, uh, yeah, Resident Evil 2 Remake, where they're taking advantage of the Switch's capabilities. And from what I've seen, I mean, it is a visually appealing game. And that is a game that I've always wanted to play from that vantage point. Because I'm, you know, I'm currently playing through Breath of the Wild, and and that's cool unto itself. You know, as a standalone title, it's a, it's a much more mature approach to like how you do an RPG. But I've always really loved the presentation of the classic Zelda where you're top down and it's all cutesy and you're doing your little thing and stuff. I, I'm going to pick that up when it comes out. I, yeah. I'm not sure if it's coming out. I think it's coming out this year. If not this year, then definitely next year. But my goodness, like it looks really cool. Another little gem to add to the switch library. Now I got a notification that my Sega Genesis mini will be shipping soon. Steve. Prepare to get epilepsy wraps. I'm telling you. Apparently, the the library of titles for that mm-hmm. is twice oh. the size oh. of what the Super Nintendo Classic Mini offered. So there is a generous amount of titles that are coming with it. IGN actually gave it a 9 out of 10. And they said it was the best Classic Mini system to come out yet. Better than the SNES Classic. Better than the NES Classic. Better than the PlayStation Classic. They said a lot of TLC went into this. You are even able to play the Mega Drive version of the American Sega Genesis release of games. And it has all the box art in there. Really well done. You can even arrange in uh, your library on the screen. If you instead you want, instead of looking at like the box art, you could actually flip them so they, you just have the spines. <laughs> it's pretty cool. You're going to have to come over and uh, go with me down memory lane a little bit yeah. there, Steve. I'm pretty excited about that. Play a little... Uh Actually, I was going to say Final Fight, but Final Fight wasn't for the uh, Genesis. That was a Sega CD. I'll play some uh, Streets of Rage with you. Maybe some Golden Axe. They're both on there. There's actually, oh, 
yeah, I'm excited. This is great to be able to have just, you know, once again, like it's a little mini me version of the Genesis, the classic Sega Genesis design. Play a little Shining Force 2. I wonder if they have Lightning Force 4. You'd have to look. I'm, I don't remember every single game that they have on there. Finally, I've been watching more Final Fantasy VII remake footage. And I cannot get over how good, once again, it's a remake. All these remakes that are coming out, I absolutely love how the art direction just reinvigorates my interest to play a game that obviously, in terms of the gameplay mechanics, are extremely solid. Obviously, Final Fantasy VII is one of the best RPGs of all time. I never played the original. I watched you play all the way through it. And since I have the game on pre-order, I'm actually looking forward to seeing, like, all the experiences that you had uh, only this time, instead of uh, passively watching, I'll be able to play through it myself. Uh, not sure how much yeah, you're going to like it, but let me ask you. Yes. All the footage that you were watching. I love it when you ask me questions. When you were watching the footage, was everybody talking over each other like they were during E3? I don't remember too much of the the talking over each other. I know that the, that the characters had lines. I mean, like, they'd be going... Well, they showed some cinematics and they showed some of the actual gameplay itself, but I don't recall, like, characters talking over each other simultaneously. Hmm. Well, I mean, like, they weren't talking over each other simultaneously, but, like, when, when there was a boss fight, like, oh, yeah, I'm going over here, and I'm going to slash in this way. Now, you use that, and they're like, just shut up and fight. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think there are certain comments that get made... That might actually be a result of just how the game trailer was edited because they wanted to try and pump in as much like excitement as possible. I can't because honestly, like if, when you think back to when you played the original Final Fantasy VII, do you recall them talking a lot during the fighting? Well, no. Well, only on certain points of the boss fight where they were talking, but it was dialogue boxes. Yeah, and so you the the action would cut from you looking at it at from a side perspective and you would be looking at it from that top down perspective and you would see the little window of the character who's talking in there, you know, sound with a, of the text and whatever. Actually, it didn't make that sound. Maybe more like, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. no, I, I know the sound you're talking about. <laughs> I imagine that they'll probably maintain the same type of pacing when it comes to the dialogue. I do think it's going to be interesting to look at how much of a distraction it is because to your point, Obviously, it was more just like the text bubbles, not necessarily the voice acting going on. Find your seat at the Steve Jobs Theater. It's time for the topic of the day. topic of the day is the Apple event 2019, which transpired earlier this week. And if you are a Joygasm Patreon supporter, you can actually listen to us watch it live <laughs> in a pre-recorded uh, fashion, of course. <laughs> Just go to patreon.com slash Joygasm and you can uh, check out. Oh, it's about two hours long. And, and so there's some 
pretty uh, fun banter to be had at different parts of the show that we just we, could, we just couldn't help ourselves. Could we, Steve? We couldn't. At least I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think the you know first things first. I think I feel compelled to say that I miss me some Johnny Ive. Yeah. I, um, yeah, there was definitely some personality missing. There was. And I think that Johnny's voice, Johnny, it's, it's amazing how, um, oftentimes it can be misconstrued, I don't know, misconstrued or, or just the value is not placed when it comes to brand affinity. Oftentimes. Yeah. <laughs> <with> brand <laughs> affinity. And, you, and that's, a, that's a great example of it where he narrated several product launch videos over the course of at least, what, the last seven years? The iPhone is made with the nectar of diamonds. <laughs> like, wow. Like, oh, my goodness. That's amazing. That really, truly is Beyond incredible. But his voice was was absent from this particular show, and I missed it. Like, there was, uh, uh, you know, the voice of Apple, so to speak, was missing from this conference, and it didn't, as a result, seem as sexy to me. Well, I don't think he was there with the last one either. I don't think he was perhaps physically present. Well, I don't but think he said any any. No, lie. no, I think he did. I think he was. I think I remember his voice being uh, part of the recording on there, but I remember not seeing him there at all. So yeah. I think uh, if I remember correctly, anyway, I think th- this year was the first time where like there was no Johnny Ive representation at all. You know who wasn't there also? Who is the dude? He looks like the total Marin County kind of guy. He's got like uh, a, a full head of friggin' oh, hair. I know who you're talking the, about. The yeah. Tall, he thin, w- athletic kind of dude. He was absent as well. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he was at the previous conference. Because if you recall, Apple now has two different conferences during the year because they have so many products that they're having to push out as well as like updates to their operating system. I'll bet you he was probably at the one that took place like in March or was it March or April or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the last time I saw him at the Apple event was when the iPhone 10 came out. Emoji thing. Well, the, it was the emoji thing, and then he went to unlock it with his face, and it didn't work. I remember, I yeah. Fright, re, reset the phone, and so he goes, oh, well, back to formula, I guess. <laughs> anyway. He's yeah. a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I, he is, I really sure. like listening to him. He has a very uh, laid-back personality, and, and he's just very easy to follow, and yeah, he he, he looks like a he'd probably, you'd sharp probably, guy. You'd probably feel good if he fired you. He'd just probably fire you. Know, <laughs> yeah. Most optimistic if lady. I had to get fired, uh, I would rather it be from someone like him. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I know I'm supposed to feel really awful right now, but somehow I feel at peace about getting fired. I feel better than I did when I walked in (laughs) about myself. Now they started this whole thing with Apple Arcade. You can tell that Apple is trying to court a lot of the various big name developers and publishers in the video game world. This year they had Konami, Capcom, Annapurna, all three of which are very well respected in the gaming industry. My biggest beef is the iPhone itself from a controlling standpoint really 
it's not user friendly at all because there, there really aren't any tactile buttons. There's, there's nothing for you to press. And so you're left to virtual controls on the screen, which in my play experience is not a, an optimal one. Right. Well, it's not, I mean, I've, I've played not all the game. I mean, I haven't played like grand theft auto or need for speed or anything on, on iPhone. I play very simple games, but even when I was playing games where you had to tap certain parts of the phone that were buttons on the screen, in a sense, virtual buttons, it just didn't have the same effect and it wasn't the same experience. And it, it was more fun to play games like Clash Royale or Clash of Clans or something where you just tap the phone sure. and different things and you could guide characters to where you even wanted them to go and they would kind of act on their own. I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up, Russ? Do you know if there is some kind of controller that can be somehow plugged? Well, I don't know if there's a cable or there's like a, a, a I don't know, some kind of peripheral that, that can plug into your iPhone that's wireless and allows you to actually use, like if I wanted to use an Xbox controller or if they have like some kind of third party or first party controller that just has more of the D-pad, the analog sticks, the buttons. Because my thing is, if there is, I think that's the missing link. And I'm assuming that they don't have it. If they don't have it, I would totally play, I think, more games on my iPhone simply because the hardware performance is just getting better and better all the time. And there are lots of games that I think would be a lot of fun to play, especially if I'm on the road. I think there was something that Target offered back in the day. I don't know if they still offer it now and I wasn't paying attention too much because I wasn't about to get it. You know, I got a controller and I play Clash of Clans with it. Uh, I, so I, I don't think it's still available now. It was kind of a seasonal thing. Like, is this going to be a hit or is it not? And there was a universal clamp on it and a plug-in like you could spot, you could switch out. But not really many people bought it or was talking about it. So I'm not... Mobile is something... Mobile gaming is something that you do while you're waiting for yeah. something else. Like sure. if you're waiting in line or you're waiting to be called to the doctor or you're well, just doing your bathroom business. Although, the, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up because... What, bathroom business? Well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Break time. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you brought that up because <laughs> there is a significant population that are casual gamers like that they are they're not into the hardcore console experience or the hardcore pc gaming experience like we are they just want to be able to bust out their phone and be able to play different types of games and they're totally happy to do so and the sales numbers are nothing to to sneeze at i mean really it's it's impressive to see just how much money is being made through casual games so there's certainly a market for that I think my thing is, is like, I don't want the mobile gaming market to limit itself unnecessarily due to the fact that you just can't play certain games as well because of the virtual controls on the screen itself. If they had something like, I mean, you know, the PC is a great example of how there are certain titles where I prefer to have um, a controller, like to give you an, an example. I recently purchased uh, the Batman Arkham Knight game for a PC because I wanted to be able to play it on Windows and see like how much better the graphics fidelity was and the higher frame rate and all that kind of stuff. And the nice thing is, is that I can actually take one of my Xbox One controllers and use it on my computer downstairs. 
that's terrific because now I'm still in that kind of video game experience and I'm playing a game that I would prefer to have a controller in my hands as opposed to having to, you know, use the keyboard and mouse. And that, it just feels kind of odd. Having said that, of course, you know, if I'm playing a first person shooter game, obviously, you know, keyboard and mouse are king. Like you just, the Twitch and everything else of, of being able to quickly move and stuff. I mean, it's, it's really, really good. So I feel like that's what the mobile market needs to do as well is to embrace that. I don't know how that would work though, because in Microsoft's case, obviously they have cornered the market in terms of the Windows machines. That's their operating system. So they can easily bring in their Xbox ecosystem into that and make the compatibility just native to everything. And it works out really well. Apple doesn't have that. I'm not sure how they would go about doing that. Unless, like I said, if they had, you know, a third party company or I mean, or even themselves, if they were to, to put some money into it, I think even Google is a good example where, um, you know, they're, they're pushing the Google Stadia and one of the just very few peripheral, like hardware peripherals that they have made is the controller because everything else is pretty much handled through their servers. What's the use to you? Well, it's not just Apple that doesn't have it. I mean, these phones don't have any buttons whatsoever. Now, no Google phone's going to have it. Um, set. Mobile devices, like I said earlier, you're going to have very basic controllable type of games. And if you're spending already 600 bucks on your phone, you're probably not going to spend another 60 to 80 to 120 on a controller that's universally made because Apple's, Apple's not going to make a controller, nor is Google. Man, maybe Google might, but I kind of doubt it because it's got to fit with every single manufacturer of a Google phone. Google doesn't make all their phones. I mean, there's a ton. The majority of phones on the market are Google phones, but they're made by Sony and HTC and Huawei or whatever you call it, LG. I mean, there's a ton. And so they all are going to be kind of proprietary towards their specific manufacturer software as well as the Android software. And it just might be a little bit too complex. It, I, I just don't see them doing it. Like with the Google example, for instance, because they are getting into the gaming sphere, I could totally see them me, oh, meeting with these different manufacturers and say, hey, we have this new video game platform called Google Stadia. We'd like to be able to leverage it on the phones that you guys are using for the operating system and everything else. Uh, can you guys, in your future designs of your phones, can you have some kind of universal input that we can plug, you know, this, this thing that reads to the Google Stadia controller? Because then that would fix exactly what I'm talking about for them. Because, then, you know, Google already has their ecosystem set up. They could perhaps even, like, partner with all these different manufacturers so that way... You can have um, the library that, that Google Stadia is currently building. Maybe some of those titles are, are mobile phone friendly and then you can play and just, I don't know, there's, there's just, once again, creating that, that native ecosystem is key. And I'm not sure how Apple would go about that because they really don't have that at this point in time. Anyway, the platform Apple Arcade is definitely a big step for Apple in terms of getting more involved with the video game community. And apparently the service is supposed to launch on September 19th, which is just, I mean, was that next week? Yeah, it's pretty close. It's going to be $4.99 a month, $4.99 a month. Um, I personally am not going to sign up for it yet because I just, like I said, I, 
I feel too limited and um, I don't really play all that many mobile game titles just to be perfectly honest, but I'm, I'm certainly open to seeing like what happens and if there are some must have titles or whatever, it's also worth noting that once again, we're seeing an example of a large corporation moving to a subscription service. And I have mixed thoughts about this. I think that there are certain instances that it works out really well. But I also think too that it's almost like death by a thousand cuts in a way for the, the consumer because when all is said and done, it's like you're, you're paying a subscription service for you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu, Hulu yeah. and Apple and Google and Xbox Disney. and Nintendo. And yeah, Disney's going to launch a Disney Plus. I mean, you think of how much all that stuff adds up and it's like, man, like I don't know if I want to be spending that kind of money on a monthly basis, especially if I don't own any of it. It's literally a rental subscription program. Exactly. Well, if you want to stream, Russ, then you have to. Otherwise, if you want to go old school like me... Get the DVD or the Blu-ray. That is a little too old school. Uh, I, that's just, but I only pay one service. Yeah, but that's like 1990s kind of service. Like, yeah, you need to get with the times, Steve. No, the times need to need to step it up because <laughs> all these other. I mean, all the like the blockbuster movies are not even available on Netflix. Netflix has them, and then they don't have them, and then they have them again, and they don't have them. So it's not. It's not. Like, you can't plan a night to watch a certain movie because if you're not keeping up with the licensing dates that Netflix has them, then you're SOL, Russ. I do think that they're getting better with that. I think that that was a problem in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, but <laughs> I do it's think... not. I, I think I think that as a general rule, and maybe it's, it's limited to just Netflix, but I think that that's why you have a lot of these platforms that are creating their own original programming so that way they don't have to worry about licensing rights. And I also think too, in terms of acquisitions, like Disney, for instance, they own all the content that they're going to have on Disney Plus. So it's not like they have six months of rights to be able to show something before they take it away. Right. But if you get the disc, you're, you, can only, you can only watch so much. <laughs> you can only watch so much. I don't know. I can watch quite a bit, actually. Yeah, right. Anyhow, well, actually, yeah, you can. <laughs> you can play a whole lot, too. But if you wanted to watch anything like Avengers or Star Wars, dare I say, any, <laughs> or you want to watch, like, the X-Men cartoon, which they'll probably get that, too, you can get whatever you want on disc through Netflix, and it'll be, like, multiple episodes. Or if you want to get the movie, you get the movie but you don't have to get Netflix and Disney plus and pay for both on a monthly basis. You just pay for one service. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Oh. That's smart. Apple TV plus was another platform that they were heavily pushing. And again, obviously this is a, a direct response to the Disney plus and Google plus There's and PlayStation plus. plus 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 plus. I think the, <laughs> The letter on the keyboard uh, for this year is the plus uh, symbol. It's it's getting a lot of love these days. Right. So that particular platform is going to launch on November 1st. Why don't they just call it minus? Probably has negative connotations <laughs> with that, Steve. <laughs> you don't want to subtract anything. You're adding to it. They watch Apple Division this month. Uh, new show's coming out. <laughs> I will say multiplication <laughs> might work out for you. Why not? Why add when you can multiply? Apple X? Hmm. 
I kind of like it. Apple pie squared. Oh, now they did show a couple of original programs for the Apple TV plus one that's worthy of note was uh, C S E E with Jason Momoa. Yeah. I like myself some Jason Momoa. He's yeah. like, he's a brotacular bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might have to. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting idea behind it. However, I would say that the platform as it is in terms of like what they're going to be showing on there, it didn't really capture my interest. I wasn't excited. Right. Disney Plus, on the other hand, uh, when I was watching their presentation, I was like, dude, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Sign me up. I'm good to go. What was really exciting was the sound that they had. I, oh, yes. I was they, liking that. I, I, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Give me goose pimples. Do you think you're going to be subscribing to the Apple TV Plus platform, Steve? I might, but only because I most likely have to get my Canadian fiance a new phone because her phone's not going to work over here. What does that have to do with the Apple TV Plus? Because you get like a year free when you get a new phone. Oh, I see where you're going with that. Very now nice. when I'm stepping in. Then I could come over and watch C. Yeah, you could. I, I could see C with you. You see? I see. See. <laughs> <laughs> they had an iPad update, which um, I always like iPad, but there really wasn't any kind of new innovative features to set it yeah. apart. No, it's nothing just, groundbreaking. It's kind of a standard, oh, here's the, the latest uh, bionic chip or whatever, A13. <laughs> bionic neural fusion. Machine learning. A numbered something rather. Uh, so there's really nothing to, I mean, I don't really have any comments about the iPad segment. That, Did you have anything? Uh, the pricing is right because the architecture and the hardware and everything is getting better with the iPad. And so if you have an older iPad that you've liked and you want to upgrade, well, it's it's reasonably priced now. You would you could either trade it in at an Apple store if you still can, if they're going <laughs> to accept it. Or you can donate for a good cause, recycle it, whatever you want to do. But the later, greater iPad isn't like that expensive that it would break the bank to buy one. I do think that the update to the iPad OS, I know they spent some yeah. time on that where they were specifically talking about leveraging the, the screen size of the iPad and um, there, there's definitely some cool stuff with that. So yeah, I mean, I do applaud right. Apple for that because there was, there was some pretty intuitive uh, updates to that. Very nice. Very but, nice they, but that wasn't anything new. That came out last year. <clears throat> Just to be I need to get myself a new iPad. Here, I was saying that the last iPad I owned was the iPad 2 back ah. in 2011. It's high time. Perhaps next year I will invest in yet another iPad. Because I must say, as, as a leisurely device, it is really nice to be able yeah. to surf the net, respond to email. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool to not have some sort of bulky desktop or even right. a big laptop. It's just great to have an iPad and you're just kind of doing your thing. Yeah, I'll just leave it. Yeah, there you go. I bought an, I bought an Air 2, but then I... Gave it to my fiance for Christmas. I hate you. That was before I left California. (laughs) That was actually when we spent our first New Year's together. So the Apple Watch. Yes. I have the Series 4 Apple Watch. And I would say the one thing about their presentation for the Apple Watch was the Compass app. I did think that was a really nice addition to the overall operating system. And, and quite frankly, I'm surprised 
it's funny because I didn't really think about it until I was watching it, but I was kind of surprised that like it didn't always have that. It just seems like kind of a no brainer, but I'm certainly happy that they're doing it now. Well, that's because it's on your phone. I know, but there are like so many different little apps that like you're thinking, okay, you know, they're all about being active and going places and doing things. And but like having a compass with the series one just seems like a no brainer, but I guess, you know, they were, they had other things they were trying to finish up first. But, but yeah, but you gotta, everywhere you're going to be with your watch, you're going to be with your phone. And so it's a bit redundant if you're going to ask my opinion, which you did not. <laughs> that if you go, oh, we're heading north because the sun's setting over here. That means we're probably looking west. Uh, what's your watch say? I don't know. And I could look at my phone, but it's in my pocket. It's too much of a stretch. <laughs> well, sometimes you may not have your phone. Oh, you got to have your phone. There are, I will say, there are times when I don't have my phone on my person but I do have my watch on. And so it is nice to be able to, to do that. Plus if your phone, what happens if your phone dies? You know, like it's nice to have a backup. I personally liked it. I thought it was really cool. Great. Russ. And plus the other thing too, is like, I don't want to have to pull my phone out every single time I'm, I'm doing something. Like if I'm hiking, for instance, I just, it's nice. It's just nice to be able to like hold my wrist up and take a look and just get a instant uh, response and, and update as to what's going on. What I liked about the Apple watch was that they announced you can now pick your own watch strap. You don't have to choose like a, a plasticky, pinky, whitey, blacky. Oh, I believe it's called rose bluey, gold, Steve. Rose gold. Something that it comes in the box. and like, yeah, I'm going to have to buy another band anyway. You know, whatever. Or if you bought like Apple bands, they would be like three in a box. And like, I only want that one. I don't want to buy three. <laughs> now you can just buy the one you want and be done with it. Mm -hmm. Freaking finally. As a side note, the guy who was presenting the Apple Watch, that dude was licking his lips an awful lot. Like it was to the point where it was distracting me from like understanding what all the new features were and stuff. Did you notice that? Like the guy had like a crazy amount of like, it looked like lip balm or something on there, but like the- Maybe it was tasty. The spot, <laughs> the spotlight was like creating some, some pretty intense specular highlights on his lips and he kept licking them and I'm just like, I wish he'd stop doing that. Maybe he had some- Maple syrup with his pancakes, and maybe so. Was, was, couldn't stop licking it off. The iPhone 11. Uh -huh. uh, okay, so it had the night mode camera, which I thought was pretty slick in terms of if you take a dark photo, it's able to actually. And that looked good. Tap into more of a HDR style approach where you, you know the software is taking an overexposed shot, an underexposed shot, and then one in between, and they're able to kind of balance stuff out so that way you don't have people lost in the shadows creating silhouettes and stuff. That was pretty slick. That was actually a, what I would call night and day difference. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> they also have video 4K resolution at 60 frames per second. Yeah. They yeah. had what was called quick take, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're in photo mode, you can hold the photo button down instead of swapping between yeah. video and photo, which is great because when you have time sensitive opportunities that you want to capture, I really like that as well. But other than that, there really wasn't anything crazy new right. or innovative. Battery was better. But I expect that. Yeah, I know, Russ. It's one of the things about like, like you know, I expect the performance to be better. Mm -hmm. I expect the hard drive to get larger. I expect the battery life to get be longer. You know, there's just these things where it's like, yeah, those are incremental updates right. to the overall phone. But I want to see things that just make me get up off my chair and say, by George, Steve. 
You know, you're starting by, to by Odin's raven, Steve. By Zeus's beard. I'm going to buy, I feel compelled to buy myself that iPhone. Buy Poseidon's trident? Yes. Russ, you're starting to sound like me. Four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> I've been saying it. These, these conferences are getting more and more. They're mon- just safe. They're safe. Well they're, well, they're safe, but they're kind of mundane. It's hard to get excited when they just give you better stuff of what you already have, but nothing new. New is exciting. Getting the same but upgraded is just is fine. It's not bad, but it's not exciting. It's not hoop hollering, punch you in the face. Yeah, hey, just see that? <laughs> you know, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that, you know, Mike Cook, um, he comes from a, a operations background. You just say Mike Cook. I'm sorry, Tim Cook. Nathan Cook. Tim Timothy. Tim, Timmy! Tim the tool man. Timmy, Timmy. Timmy. He comes from an operations background, um, and you can tell that he's running the company um, as like a chief operations officer, you know, in terms of the mindset. Of profit. If yeah, well, and just you know, in terms of the the infrastructure of how the products are run and everything else, I mean, it's it's very smoothly run. But I think that there is an apparent lack of ingenuity that's going on. I do think that there is a challenge. Having said that, where you know the phone, the product itself is so well designed, so well thought out. There are a lot of different features, and I so I try to be sensitive to the notion that I want to. Just, I I, I want to be fair in terms of my assessment of this. Where I know that as a consumer, I've been totally spoiled by what the phone, you know, particularly the iPhone, has done uh, just in my day to day life. And I think there's a lot of great things to be said for all the different features. And I think I've almost gotten used to just the like like how often there had been these like monumental changes or, or updates or new features and, and approaches to things. And I, you know, I think it's very difficult for a company like Apple to be able to maintain that momentum simply because it's like, well, what else can you put in there? And I know that you actually said some things last night when we were going over the, the Apple event itself. And those are some, some big asks, but I do think that they are possible. Do you want to go over the ones that you're talking it's about? The same stuff I've been asking for. Well, tell, For years. tell our listeners, Steve. So I want to be in the future. I want there to be a small little projector that would just project about an inch off or maybe a couple inches off the phone when you got a notification, little little thing that popped up. So it's actually, it's, it's sticking up off the phone, little hologram, little projector saying, oh, hey, call Sally. Reminder. Oh, by the way, Freddie's calling. Here you go. It's popping up off the phone. And while your phone's sitting on your desk while you're working or while you're at school, you know, it, it's going to have a little trickle charge because it has little slits in there that are be absorbing light, like your little pocket calculator. Technology's been there since the 80s. Let's I put do, it in the phone. I do think that solar power would be more realistic in terms of the near term mm-hmm. with holographic technology more um, longer term in terms of when it'll come out. But, I mean, the solar thing would... That would be a technological marvel for the phone if they were able to do it 
where you would get a significant charge off of those things. Cause obviously like, I think I said this last night, you know, having a Texas instruments calculator getting charged by solar energy is a little bit different than having an iPhone is simply because of you know, there's just a lot more to the iPhone than there is a calculator. But if they're able to do that, if they can somehow put that into the phone, that would be a compelling reason for me to want to upgrade. Well, here's the thing too. If you're going to charge your phone, we're all into quick charging now. We want the full phone, the full battery to be charged within like 30 minutes. Yeah. But you're you're anchored to the charging pad or you're anchored to the charge cord or whatever. And you're want, you're waiting for your phone to get charged up. But you wouldn't be nearly anchored for as long or have to rely on it if your phone was always charging for hours during your day while you're at your desk or in an interview or doing homework or doing whatever because the phone's still charging. Yeah. So if it's charging slow, but it, it, you leave it there for three or four hours, you're going to have a full battery consistently. Right. What are your final thoughts on the, the, the conference overall? Final thoughts. Well, I think as an audience, we're starting to read through a lot of the Apple marketing speak. And even though we still like our Apple products, it's becoming less and less thrilling to run out and get the latest, greatest Apple thingamajiggy right away and pay top dollar for it because even the older thingamajiggies do everything just fine. By the way... (laughs) You want the new thingamajiggy <laughs> that's better than the old thingamajiggy. I mean, a lot of these third world countries use a lot of the older Apple devices, the fours and the fives. My 5S just got an, the, the Apple 12.4.1 upgrade. And they said that was not going to happen. So my 5S is still getting, so my 5S has the latest software on it. Mm. And I don't know if they're going to put, put uh, 13 on there, but... It just goes to show how much service they're still giving the older devices. Real world use, if I would have put 13, iOS 13 on my relatively new iPhone 7, it's going to compete with the 8 and it's going to compete with the 10 when I launch my Netflix, when I launch my Safari, when I launch my Clash of Clans, when I launch my whatever app, it's it's not going to take seconds longer for it to load. It's going to take milliseconds longer. And so when you think of the price points that these are at, actually, let me just touch on the price points, right? Because I've been saying Apple's way out of touch with their pricing. Their cheaper phone, the XR, that was at $750. Starting. Oh, they're expensive. But... The iPhone 11 now is at 699. So they dropped it 50 bucks, but it has better software in it. And you'll notice with their entire lineup, your phone is now not being sold. The the XS and the XS Max no longer being sold mm. on the website. You have to go to an authorized retailer if you want something like that. Interessante. Something they said though too, that I caught my caught my ear, caught my eye. They said that the screen was better than any other iPhone, from like the Pro, uh-huh. to or they're comparing the, the Pro to everything else. The Pro's got the same screen as yours. Yeah, and I even took a picture of it. Bam! I didn't even show you the same pixel count, same everything. But they uh. said it's the better. They said it's the better screen. I think that you know some of that that verbiage was rehashed from when they were they were they debuted the XS because I remember them talking like that too and I think it's just kind of that's probably the new 
version of what the XS used to be. That being said, I might still get the 11 for the old fiancé because she's still operating a cracked six. I would say it's time. No. I would say it's time. What do we do about that? But I will say they didn't show the front of the phone very much. They were showing the back of the phone because, man, this is what worries me too. If you think about the six and or the design of the six and the six S, hardly any change. You think of the seven, hardly any change. You think of the eight, hardly any change. That's four generations of phones where you have minimal design difference. Now you're coming out with like this, the phones that have the full screen and the kind of the edge to edge with the notch. We've had the 10, we've had the 10S, and now we have the 11 and 11 Pro. So we have three years in a row now where the face of the phone looks exactly the same, which most likely next year, it's going to look the same again. We're, we're probably going for design differences instead of two years now from like the 4 to 4S and then the 5, there was a design difference. The 5, the 5S, the 6, there was a difference. We're probably going to four-year generation jumps now between designs, which is kind of unfortunate. Mm-hmm. My final thoughts are I think that the... <laughs> I think the show itself has become rather safe. If I were comparing the, the shows over the last several years to back when Steve Jobs was presenting, back in the day, I mean, think about like one year he introduced the iPod. Then another year he, he introduced the iPhone. Another year he introduced the iPad. The, you know, uh, another year he introduced the brand new MacBook Pro. You know, like there, there were these huge leaps in terms of innovation and ingenuity when it comes to these peripherals. And they have done that here and there, like with their, um, what do they call it? The Apple pod or whatever. It's like their, like it's their competition to the Alexa, uh, peripheral home pod. So, I mean, they do have certain things that they are still coming out with. And so that it's, it's definitely worth talking about, but I do miss the excitement. I miss kind of the anticipated exclusivity that the show used to just really evoke. And nowadays it's just kind of, oh, it's, you know, it's safe Tim Cook coming out. He's nice and he's giving us an update as to like what's going on. But um, yeah, like I, I just, I want there to be more. And I, I think it's kind of a one-two punch of that. Plus the fact that Apple has always been last market when it comes to any kind of feature or device. And it speaks highly to just when they finally do release something it's really funny because they act like it's brand new but it's been out for quite some time but they tend to do it the best they have um the best quality when it comes to a lot of these different types of functions and features and that sort of thing so overall um you know the the show was fine i just felt like it was lukewarm like like you know i felt myself kind of getting bored when i was watching it and um there's no gotta have it since yeah yeah there's absolutely no um you know, rush onto social media and say, check this out. Have you guys seen this? There was none of that whatsoever. Plus I miss myself some Johnny Ive. I want Johnny <laughs> Ive back. So anyway, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night. 
at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. 